Praise the Lord. Let's get to the Bible. Titus chapter 2. And we'll be picking up there just in verse 15, the last verse of this uh, chapter. And that's probably where we'll uh, finish off uh, tonight, just finishing up hopefully that, that verse. Titus chapter 2. He says here, Paul writing to this young pastor, he says, Titus, he says in verse 15, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. I'm going to read that again. Titus 2.15 These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no man despise thee. Let's pray together. Father, oh God, thank you for the word tonight. I pray that you would work in our hearts and prepare us for a week ahead. Lord, many things that you're going to call us to do. And I just pray you would even take tonight's message to prepare us for that. Lord, we need you. We need the power of your spirit. We need your guidance. We need your help. We're just needy people. And Lord, we know that you can meet, meet those needs perfectly. And so we commit our hearts to you tonight. I pray that you would be with the listener. I pray their hearts would be tender and receptive. And Lord, help me as I give this truth. I pray that it would be by your spirit, uh, by the power of your word. And so, Lord, we commit these things to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight's message is entitled this, Titus, Don't Be Timid. Titus, don't be timid. You see, it is coming to a point in his message where he has given instruction for how the people should conduct themselves uh, in the local church. Uh, basically, how the different people groups uh, should behave themselves uh, in daily life. And he covers all those groups from the older men, uh, the young men, the, the older ladies, and the young ladies, and the servants. And so he goes through that. And then, he, of course, gets in and talks about the grace of God and exhorts them what the grace of God should do for them. That it should teach them uh, to uh, deny the, the ungodly living and the worldly living. It should uh, teach them those things. And so now he's getting to the end of this passage and he's going to tell, he's going to say, now listen, when you speak these things, this is the way I want you to speak. I want you to speak, uh, very clearly. I want you to speak, exhort and rebuke with all authority and don't let anyone, uh, despise you. Now, basically we're going to answer a question tonight and the question is this. How should truth be conveyed? That's an important question because if you're like me, sometimes you speak truth and you just don't speak it in the right way. Or sometimes you don't speak it at the right timing. Anybody ever get bad timing on things? Thank you. I'm not alone on that. We do. We speak things at the wrong time. So it's important uh, that we speak. Now, in the context, of course, this is for uh, the young pastor of this church, but we make application to all of us here on when it comes to speaking truth. Uh, first of all, I believe the context implies that we are not to lack courage, boldness, or confidence when we are sharing the Word of God. Now, if you're sharing your opinion, or whatever that may be, uh, that, that, that can cause for a lack of, uh, courage many times. 
But I, when it comes to the pure Word of God, when we come to teaching and preaching and sharing, it should be uh, done uh, with confidence. And that comes from uh, the Word. So how can these things be conveyed? Um, and we're going to find out. Now, it being Veterans Day and things are fresh on my mind from the Coast Guard, I, I thought of a, a just a, by way of application, I'd share with you. One of the things we learned in, in the Coast Guard, specifically in the context that I was in, my rate, uh, we were often boarding team members. So that always involved law enforcement. That involved uh, you, us being on a boarding team, boarding vessels, uh, trying to either do drug interdiction or simply uh, the, the dealing with illegal immigration, things of that nature. So we, we were trained constantly in the area of law enforcement. And one of the first things they teach you is a phrase called use of force. Learning the use of force is very important. Very important, because when you board a vessel or you're dealing with a situation, perhaps it hasn't got uh, negative in any sense. Perhaps it's a routine check type checkup or routine boarding, I should say. There's no problems, but sometimes it could escalate. And what you had to be trained and learned is that if anything did escalate, you were to match that escalation. You were not to go above that escalation. It's called use of force. Now, sometimes it could get quite political, uh, depending on the situation. But nevertheless, they would teach us. There were six levels of use of force in the Coast Guard. The first one, the very uh, mildest, if you will, and uh, is would be considered the officer presence. That would just us be being there in our uniforms, our vessels, and it would uh, be... Uh, non-confrontational in the sense of uh, just creating an atmosphere, what we called an atmosphere of compliance. It was just officer presence. And then it would go if, uh, if, you, if there was any uh, neglect there, if there was any resistance, I should say, to our presence being there, then we would move it up a notch to just verbal commands. Uh, that would be identifying, of course, identifying ourselves, giving our right uh, to be there. I'll mention that here in just a moment. And then it would also give task direction and also consequences aimed at the subject. So, again, so sometimes we would just have to do that. But if it, it went another, if it was if the individual or individuals became aggressive, then we would go to level three, which was control techniques. And uh, that was low probability of causing, and I looked it up and I remember, I used to have all these memorized, but it was low probability of causing connective tissue damage. <laughs> low probability of uh, causing lacerations of the skin or broken bones. And then it would just move up. If, it, if the individual got aggressive, the aggressive response technique was level four. Then it became from low probability to likely. And then if it went to five, it would be intermediate weapons. And then it would go from low uh, probability to high probability. And then the last step was the use of deadly force. And that's the one that uh, young guys that you had to train and had to be ingrained in their mind uh, because of fear, or because of whatever the case may be. A lot of times guys would think they had to jump right to deadly force. They got uh, intimidated. Uh, they were paranoid or something of that nature. And they jumped too quick to level six. And in training, that would happen often, and it was ingrained. And, and so, but those, those were the steps that you uh, would, would receive in your training. Now, 
Tonight, we're going to talk about uh, use of force when it comes to giving truth. There's a use of force that God wants to give us. And I see three uh, levels, if you will, of giving that, that Paul's going to tell Titus here in verse 15. And we're talking about in the context of speaking truth. We're not talking about physical use of force, as I was speaking of the Coast Guard. But I'm speaking of giving truth. And this pastor is going to have to give truth. And the first level we see here, as you notice in your Bible, I see three levels of force communicating God's truth and His grace. Number one is by speaking. It's right there in your text. It says these things speak. It's interesting that uh, verse 1, uh, we have, uh, he starts off with speak and, uh, and to, for him to speak up. And then verse 15, he brings it up again. You need to speak, Titus. Speak up. Don't be timid. What is this idea of speaking? Well, it's kind of a level one. It's kind of a thing that is, is, is needs to be common anywhere you go. It's the idea of just not remaining silent when something needs to be said. Um, you know, as a pastor, it would be wrong for me to remain silent about what the Lord, the, the Word of God is quite clear on. It would be wrong for me to skip over portions of Scripture and, and different things of that nature or to, to elevate one doctrine above the other. And, and, and you can go that. That's from a pastor standpoint. But then you just put it down on your application. There are some things that in your life that you're going to be confronted with. It might be a friend, a co-worker. It might be somebody in the church that God does want you to speak truth. Now, it's important. That we always speak truth in love. That's Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love. As I mentioned earlier, many times we can be great at speaking truth, but not so great at speaking it in love. <laughs> and we have to be reminded that the Lord wants us to speak the truth with grace. I think about uh, speaking with grace when we share truth to make sure it's gracious. I think of Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. It says, let your speech be always with what? With grace. Let your speech be always, not just sometimes, not just when you're mild and everything's okay, but when you speak, even if it's truth, speak it with grace. We owe every person to speak truth with grace. And I believe Titus was responsible for that too. Then not only did you see this level of speaking, now, again, you have to remember the context. Let's be honest here. The things that Titus was commanded to, to uh, exhort and to instruct these different people groups, some of them were quite uh, awkward, to be quite frank with you, to tell older men how they should be acting and, and then, you know, going through the different people groups of, hey, instructing the older ladies to what to tell the young ladies. And there was a lot of information being uh, communicated. There's a lot of truth here being communicated. And uh, some of them were difficult subjects to speak on. By the way, I, I, I understand that more and more as a pastor, how, how sometimes there are, you come to portions of Scripture and it's difficult. Uh, to speak, because uh, even though it's the truth, it hits home. And, and, and for us to be confronted in our human mind, sometimes we resist it. But nevertheless, Paul says to Titus, preach it, teach it, speak it in this manner, to speak the truth. But then he goes from a level one. 
And I believe that he's going to take it to another level. And perhaps this is when someone doesn't want to listen and you see an obvious situation where just speaking the truth with someone, it's not working. And I would say that level two, just for sake of illustration, the Bible doesn't say that's level two, but just again for application, uh, we're, we're going to call it that. So it went from speaking to exhorting. Now that takes a, just a, to another degree because that goes from just speaking to actually uh, moving with urgency. Exhort. That, this word exhort is used often in the Word of God. It's used in the context of encouragement. It's used in the context of beseeching, which means urge. That You know that we talked about that verse this morning, Romans 12.1. carries the idea of begging. Uh, hey, listen, I beseech you, brethren, listen to me. i got something important to tell you. It's more than just speaking. I need to tell you something. I need to tell you some truth. No, listen to me, please. I need to share this. And what I love about this uh, Greek word, and we, we see it in uh, uh, the, the third part of the Trinity, uh, of, uh, is, the Greek word is parakletos. Parakletos. And it carries the idea of coming alongside to urge or to comfort or to correct or to guide. And that is this level. It's almost also to console. Even to request, we see that. In fact, why don't we look at uh, one of the uses uh, there and go to Acts chapter 28. Hold your place there in Titus because we'll come back to that. If you want to go over to the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts, Acts chapter 28, the last chapter. The last chapter of the book of Acts. It's interesting, here in uh, chapter 28, verse 20, uh, he says here, Paul says, For this cause, therefore, have I called for you, to see you, to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel I am bound with this chain. And this word, I have called for you, uh, is, it carries the idea of, of, of the parakletos. It's the same Greek word there, but translated differently in this context. But the idea is to call to one side, to come along. You know what it means? It means taking a more personal Consideration and effort to come along some, along someone that needs some instruction or correction. That's the idea of exhorting. And uh, after you have spoken the truth, maybe it needs to go one more level, and that is to indeed to come alongside. Let's, uh, let's look at another one here. Look at, uh, look at 1 Thessalonians. If you're there in Titus, just go back, pass, go backwards past Timothy. Keep going to First Thessalonians, chapter four, verse one. We're going to see it used in the context of exhort again. But you know the idea. Furthermore, then we beseech you again. We urge you, brethren, and exhort you. All right, it's a coming alongside. It's a, it's a, it carries more uh, severity there. It's, it's just it's, it's coming alongside and with a greater degree by the Lord Jesus that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye should abound more 
and more. Okay, so we see here uh, that it, that is translated, and it's interesting. If you ever want to do a study on that, you could go to a Bible program and look at the Greek word that it uses and find all the areas of the New Testament that that word parakletos is translated. Again, it goes from beseech, exhort, uh, to comfort, to, to console, these different things. It's also used in the idea of requesting, and that is something that is necessary to do. So we go from level two from exhorting. It says to speak and exhort. Then look at this third word. This is, again, moving up in its level of seriousness. And that is the word rebuke in verse 15. These things speak and exhort and rebuke. Now, what does this word rebuke mean? This carries the idea of making known with clarity for the purpose of correcting Especially when the individual or individuals uh, do not admit their wrongdoing. Alright? So, again, you have a situation, for instance, someone is not admitting their wrong. So you're speaking truth, so you come alongside and you exhort them. Uh, you, you, it may be in the, in the area of uh, privacy, but you come alongside that person and you, t- you, you speak truth with them. You try to urge them, that word exhort, you urge them to recognize there's a wrongdoing and you really need to get this right. Because God's word declares it. The truth is is very clear. You don't need to have this in your life. And you come with a spirit of grace. And if that doesn't work, which we all hope that that does, and I hope that when someone comes to you, you will receive the exhortation because according to the Bible, it then goes up a level if that person does not respond to the exhortation. And then that is the rebuke. This definitely goes into more negative connotation. This is where the conversation is is not so friendly. Okay? Not where it gets ungodly, okay, but it, it goes to a degree of, uh, of being very serious in the sense that, look, uh, there is a problem here. And, and I have the truth, we have the truth, and, and I want to share it with you. I've tried to share it with you, but then it's going to go to a rebuke. What is this doing? It's exposing. The word rebuke carries the idea of exposing for the idea to give correction. By the way, can I say this? Rebuke is also a command given to Timothy, another young pastor. And uh, we could look back at that one. It's in uh, chapter 4, I believe it is. But he talks about rebuking with long-suffering. So again, even though rebuke can be sharper in a more serious tone, in a more serious delivery, it should always be done with grace. Some people think that if it gets so serious that they can rebuke with an ungodly spirit. That's not true. You always have to maintain a spirit of grace. I believe that uh, in the area of church discipline, uh, we see in the Word of God in the book of Matthew and out throughout the epistles from Paul, that yes, that uh, the rebuking is to be there for sure, but it's to be done in a spirit of grace. You know why? Because re- this, any of this thing, speaking, and when it comes to exhorting and rebuking, do you know what the purpose is? The purpose is reconciliation. The purpose is fellowship. The purpose is to help the individual and to, and to restore that communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's not about communion with me. It's not about communion with anybody. The most important thing is, is communion with Christ, walking in truth and grace. 
So we see here, look with me, uh, we'll just look at a couple instances here where this word rebuke is used. Look there with me. And First uh, Timothy. So if you're in Titus, just go back like two or three pages and look at First Timothy chapter five. First Timothy uh, chapter number five, verse 20. So again, here is a situation of sin in the church. <clears throat> that's gotten to a degree of, of verse 20. Them that sin, that's a continual of sin that's uh, already been dealt with or been exhorted in some way, rebuke before all that others also may fear. All right. So we have a situation here where it was uh, rebuke is definitely in the context here speaking of sin being exposed for the for the purpose of being corrected. And so that it would uh, bring restoration. And, of course, we see that it would also help others uh, to be reminded of the seriousness of sin. But then uh, look with me, too, uh, this, same, this same word here, Greek word, is used in the area for the word reprove. We see that rebuke is used, but also the word reprove. Go over to the book of John, the Gospel of John. I want to show, show you that word here again, the idea of exposing and making known that this pastor is being commanded to do. John chapter 3, and uh, look with me at verse 20. John chapter 3 and verse number 20. He says here, he's talking about the light, the light of Christ. And he says here in verse 20, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And that is the same Greek word as, the, as, the, as we see translated rebuke in other passages. Just a little different conjugation there. Uh, but, but the idea is most definitely it's exposing for the idea of confronting and for the idea of correcting for the purpose. Praise God, we pray always for all of us for restoration, for people to be uh, reconciled with the Lord. But that is the word there. It's also used uh, from the Holy Spirit. I'll just read this verse to you in John chapter 16, verse 8. And when He, that's the Holy Spirit, has come, He will reprove, expose, make known, to bring clarity to, uh, reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. And so, again, that was the command given to this young pastor. Now, it moves from the three levels there of giving the truth, and it goes from, all right, the first of all is the, the, the manner that it should be given, but then secondly, he talks about the right that he has in speaking truth, and to speak it, to exhort with it, and also to rebuke if necessary. He has the right. Look there in your Bibles, back in the book of Titus. It says there at the end of verse number 15, it says, Do these things, speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. With all authority. Now, I know if you've heard this illustration before, but, you know, like I said, it's just fresh on my mind. And it just goes perfectly with the idea of authority when it comes to the Word of God. This authority is given by the Lord to speak. 
All right. So when I was in the Coast Guard, to, to even step foot on a vessel, I had to have authority to do that. A private vessel, privately owned vessel. I had to have permission. Who did I have to have permission from? The government. And the government gave us permission, 14 U.S.C. 89, gave us clear authority to step on any vessel within U.S. waters. We had jurisdiction. So we had the right to step on that vessel and to search that vessel. That was already given. Well, let me make the application. As a child of God, you have the authority to always speak the Word of God. Always. Now, speak it with grace, speak it in love. That's commanded too. You can't forget that. But not only can you speak it, but I believe you, can, you have the command to exhort. Exhort one another daily, the Word of God says. That's for the believers to come alongside and to remind. And also, uh, we are told as a church that if it's necessary, we, it may, things may need to be rebuked. And uh, there's an authority given there. Uh, I like what Rand Hummel said in, in his study uh, on, in this chapter. He says, uh, we cannot demand respect, but we can command respect. And there is a difference. You can't demand respect, but you can command respect from the Word of God. You give it clearly. You command it. You give the commandments from the Scriptures. And uh, can you imagine this young pastor... He's dealing with false teachers. He's dealing with uh, men, uh, perhaps, that uh, had been alive a whole lot longer than him. (laughs) Elder-aged men that I'm sure had an opinion about something else that maybe Titus was teaching. Or preaching. He, he's, uh, some, uh, one commentator said uh, the idea of perhaps some young men that thought they knew better than this young pastor. and, And sought to contradict him. And, and so what... Titus needs to understand, according to this letter and according to Paul's, look, you just need to realize that as long as you stick to the book, you have all authority. Stick to the book, Titus. If you give the Word of God and teach the Word of God and preach the Word of God, you don't have to worry about anything when it comes to your authority. You have it. Just give it. And, and, and while you're, why don't you look over there with me? Flip back about two pages in your Bible to 2 Timothy. I will read that verse to you. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. He says here, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So, Again, it is so important for us to understand the authority that has been given from the Word of God to do just this. He speaks clear truth in, the, in a commanded manner. Uh, he, he is going to give the Word of God and uh, not His opinions. And God is going to bless him for that. So we see the manner He was supposed to give. We see the right. But thirdly, again, let's look at the confidence Look at the last phrase of verse 15. He says, do it with all authority. That authority comes from the Word of God. And then he makes this statement. Let no man despise thee. Now, he he says something very similar in Timothy about let no man despise thy youth. What does this word despise mean? It doesn't necessarily carry the exact connotation that, or context that we use it in today, meaning hatred, 
Uh, it could go to that. It's a possibility. But the actual context of this, this word despise, carries the idea, is, is he saying, uh, Titus, uh, don't, don't let someone overlook you and what you're saying. Uh, don't, don't let someone just uh, look past what you're saying. You give it to them. Don't let them just look around you or bypass you. Don't let them do that. That's the actual meaning of that word, don't, or, or to look down on. Because again, he's dealing with some ungodly false teachers. And I'm sure as a young pastor, there's some intimidation there that some of these people may try to undermine him and cause a big stink and cause a big problem. And Paul said, you don't let, you don't let anybody do that. Let no man despise thee. And I believe he's saying here, Titus, God has put you in the island, on the island of Crete. And, and God is going to use you for such a time as this. You are the, you are the servant that God has called and set there. You may get opposition. You, you may get people that want to contradict you. And, 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 and confront you. But the fact of the matter is, Titus, you need to speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority and don't let anyone get away with that. Be who you are, the one I have called. But make sure, I believe the context most definitely, especially if you, you know the Word of God uh, is the best commentary for the Word of God, the, the context most definitely is to do it with grace. Give the truth. Help uh, these people with the truth and with grace. And it's the only time that this word despise is used in the New Testament, the Greek word. The word despise is used. But it's only used uh, here once. Uh, and it, again, it's to speculate about. It's like, hmm, this Titus, he, he thinks he knows what he's talking about. Doubters, you know. And church, let's be honest. That happens all the time in our world, even with Christians. You take a stand for truth, and people look down on you. He thinks he's got a corner on the truth. He thinks he knows it all. This Jesus is the only way thing. They're foolish. How dare they think that? How dare they think? And, and, And I'm talking about truth. The Word of God. And there's going to be doubters out there. And young people, I will especially admonish you right now. Let no man despise you. When you stand on truth, stand confidently. You have the authority of the Almighty God. Can you get any more authority than that? The Creator. He is, he, he is, he is going to bless and, give, and give, give honor to those that handle His Word properly. And I say that goes for any of us. Listen, Titus, don't doubt. Just give the Word of God. Give it in truth. Teach it clearly. Be gracious. Be long-suffering. And let my Word do its work. And so, how can we draw this message to a conclusion tonight for this verse? Yes, this is a command to the young pastor. But I believe it is a command for every person in this room as well. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe you're being confronted with the truth. Maybe someone's trying to speak the truth to you. Someone's trying to exhort you. Maybe you've been rebuked. I mean, the Bible, I don't have time, but the Bible says a lot about being rebuked. How do we handle that? 
But maybe it's you that needs to do it. Maybe you need to talk to someone, just speak. Maybe there needs to be an exhortation to coming alongside in the right spirit. You know, it will go a long ways. And I believe the Lord God will be honored. Oh, may God have His way as we seek to speak the truth and not be so timid in this life. When God is saying, be bold with my truth. Be gracious, but be bold with my truth. Let's pray together.